Hello guys and welcome to the latest edition of the Barca Times podcast. I'm your host Joe Yankov and today we have uh, Paul Kitt and Aditya with me. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a different podcast. Um, obviously, with the game uh, over the weekend, uh, El Clasico special, we kind of we can we can <laughs> call it. Um, lots of lots of discussion about the about the game. Um, offered pretty much everything that there could be offered. Obviously, a negative result for Barcelona, but still, I think it's important to mention that the the title is not being won or lost in that uh, in that game. Still, lots of games to play, lots of um, twists and turns, um, especially with Atletico Madrid. Uh, we're playing tonight as we're recording the podcast on a Sunday afternoon. We have. Still a lot of games to play. We have a direct game against Atletico Madrid, but for now let's focus on the on the game that we saw yesterday. I mean, pretty bizarre, pretty bizarre first half. Um, sort of a sort of a response in the second half. Um, Puki, how did you saw the overall performance? And let's say who was your uh, man of the match, if you like. Uh, we did have uh, a very terrible first half, didn't we? I mean, defensively very vulnerable and not good in the finals. Third, Dembele missing chances, and we saw, uh, I think, ten minutes before the first half ended that Griezmann and Moriba were warming up. So I was thinking, okay, uh, you know, getting Griezmann over Dembele or whoever else is not going to upgrade really. It's a further downgrade, and we saw that in the second half because he didn't didn't do anything. I don't remember one single thing Griezmann did that could I, that I would call was a contribution to the game. So didn't like that decision, of course. Uh, but we did put up a fight in the second half, didn't we? Mingwesa, of course, getting his classic debut goal, and uh, Muriba just missing a very difficult shot because there was a Real Madrid player in front of him and he hit the post. And Testegin also coming up in that great save after Valverde hit the post and on the rebound, someone attempted oh, a shot on goal. I don't remember who was that, who that was. So, a game of two halves, of course, and it was raining so heavily. I felt like playing there myself, you know, that uh, maybe I can play better than Griezmann, just, you know, you know, get me on the field right now. So... That was there, of course, there are problems. Also, I just wanted to ask you, Aditya, uh, do you think that was a penalty, the Braithwaite tackle towards the end of the game? I think the penalty looked really soft. Looking at the other decisions that the referee was to, uh, taking, I don't think he would have given that as a penalty anyways. Um, to be honest, if, if, I can, if I can jump in in there, the um, there were there were very very curious decisions uh, all over the uh, throughout the whole throughout the whole game basically we we saw uh, Casemiro with a challenge on Griezmann for one of the Messi's free kicks uh, that that challenge was in my opinion deserving a yellow card um, he then gets two yellow cards in like thirty seconds uh, okay uh, the referee decided there to to step in. Just basically send him off 
uh, I don't understand how, like, uh, he made at least three fouls for a yellow card throughout the game, and he got sent off for his last two. Um, just a bit bizarre, um, bizarre refereeing in that game. But, for example, the bright fight situation, in my opinion, is a 50-50 situation. If you want to give the penalty, everybody would understand why you give them a penalty. Because Mendy is just basically grabbing his hand. Okay, um, there is some sort of a foul in there. But some people will say, oh, but it was not enough for him to go down and stuff like that. Yeah, we, there's, there, there are the two sides of the story, basically. The referee just uh, decided to, um, <laughs> to stay silent in there. We have, obviously, VAR. But, I don't know, to be honest, uh, this season... I don't know what's your opinion on the referee's pocket, but uh, this season with VAR and just the whole uh, the whole idea that one referee is going to see the situation, then another one in the camera, and sometimes he's gonna um, he's gonna ask the the official in the actual match to go and look at the monitor. Then he's not gonna ask them. It just is is a little bit of a mess. So if he doesn't look at that situation on the monitor, I don't understand. Like he, okay, he doesn't give a penalty. But the whole the whole bench of Barcelona is just uh, is just jumping basically went into the pitch. Uh, all the referee, all the players are surrounding the referee. Well, there is something, you know what I mean? It's not. Uh, it wasn't nothing to be honest. So just hard. Uh, we have to take it kind of that the situation was so late in the game. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Um, I don't think he got the best best game of his uh, career, to be quite honest with you. We were supposed to have Mateo Laos as official. Uh, he got injury, so we had uh, Gil Manzano uh, as the official. Uh, we'll see. We'll see, but um, in terms of the referee, there was more, let's say, uh, bad luck, if you like, than uh, more referees' mistakes into, into why Barcelona lost, for example, because we had, uh, we had the post three times, like, okay, this is not <laughs> this is not something that is going to happen every game, and uh, and the guys tried at least. Okay, first half was yeah dreadful, but uh, in the second half the performance was a little bit better, um, and yeah I think overall the maybe the scoreline would have been a little bit inflated if all the situations went in for Real Madrid and for Barcelona as well, but to one oh, I don't want to say deserved uh, uh, we deservedly lost, but we slept away the first half so. We shouldn't be we shouldn't be having too many complaints to be honest. Do, I, do you think uh, do you think uh, it was right for Kuman to bring on Sergi Roberto? He didn't bring on Pooch, of course, this time again. Oh yeah, Pooch, uh, Pooch, yeah, <laughs> Pooch is not yeah. coming in <laughs> never yeah, ever yeah. again. Well, like, but Roberto, like playing in midfield, do you think that was the that was a good good call by Kuman? Um, another another decision that, to be honest, is going to be talked about because, in my opinion, was the same as the uh, three defenders. I want to hear the, I want to hear Aditya what he thinks about that. But obviously, yeah, we had Sergio Roberto coming on as a sub. We had as well starting with three defenders. So where do you stand on this, Aditya? Do you feel the the approach was right from the beginning, or you would have gone for something for something different? Uh, looking at uh, Real Madrid's uh, 4-4-2, I think I knew that uh, we had missed a trick. Kuhlman had missed a trick because this was kind of the same mistake that, uh, um, if you remember, Pep Guardiola made with uh, Bayern Munich when he came to play Barca in the semifinals for uh, 
<coughs> semi-finals against Barcelona because he was man-to-man for every person in throughout the field. And uh, if you see, uh, the backline is very inexperienced with Bingeza and uh, Araujo. And uh, dealing with someone like Benzema is a really difficult prospect for a young player. So I think going for a back three was not such a good, op- a good option. And even playing Dembele up front uh, alone was not such a good option because uh, you saw the way uh, Real Madrid just uh, closed him off. They just... In the first half, he didn't. Uh, he could have made so many good runs in the gap between Valverde and uh, uh, the right back. I think his name was Vasquez. I think Vasquez and uh, Valverde in the space because Vasquez kept coming, dropping deep to press the man, and there was a lot of gap in between. And Dembele could have made that run, but then he didn't make that. So I think uh, those kind of things in the second half. I think uh, Kuman did. Kind of a right charge because he didn't have many other options other than Griezmann. But then getting Griezmann central meant that Dembele was out wide, right? So, uh, he was getting 1v1s with Mendy. So, I think in that perspective, it was a good uh, choice. But then, I think uh, Real Madrid, even Zidane played a really good game here because he knew that he had to conserve his energy and score goals and win the game. So, I think this is the best ploy for him. If we if we look on Pukit, I'm coming to you now. Um, if we look at obviously the the situation with the tactics, we can understand that probably uh, yeah. If we look now again on the game, we will ask a lot of questions and why the three defenders were introduced now in that type of situation when you know you're probably going to have the ball. So you kind of want to put a little bit more pressure on Real Madrid in the attacking phase, at least in the beginning, and rather than just sit back, not sit back, but like uh, solidify your defensive options. And then you, you know that Real Madrid with Valverde coming into that midfield as well, you will know that there is not going to be, uh, they're not going to go flat out and just try to press you all over the field. We had 70% possession in the whole game. So yeah, you can say we had the initiative or, or whatever, but Real Madrid was just basically having fun on a counter-attack. I don't know. I don't know to what extent is that because of the because of the three defenders or because of uh, uh, just a good transition from Real Madrid, but something was uh, something was wrong. And similar to Liverpool in in midweek when Real Madrid played um, played Liverpool, at least Liverpool had um, they offered nothing the whole game, like absolutely nothing. They had a period of ten minutes that um, they tried to try to create something, but. And on a counter-attack, they were, uh, let's say, shaky. But with Barcelona, I had the feeling that every single time Real Madrid got the ball or Barcelona lost the ball in that midfield, uh, couldn't transition it that well from the midfield to the, to the front, uh, to the front players, to Messi or to Dembele, Real Madrid, Real Madrid were through. Like, they had a clear opportunity when to, when to pass the ball, how to pass it, to who to pass it. And despite we have Lenglet, Mingesa and Araujo in there, Still, uh, Vinicius was running just basically uh, past Mingesa, and obviously uh, we had we saw one situation that Mingesa was even faster than than Vinicius. But I don't think this is the this is the optimum uh, choice that you can have one on one Mingesa and Vinicius, and just um, just let Mingesa deal with the situation. I think we got a little bit exposed in that sense. What do you think, Pocket? I think you're right. Uh, we were exposed in the back. 
and the three center backs did not help as they should have also yesterday we saw that we have a lack of number 9 don't we that uh, there is no number 9 in our team or no not a good finisher rather and kuman was also asked post match that you know um, do you think there is a lack of number 9 so he said there is sometimes uh, i think something like that he said sometimes there is so uh, we were not clinical in front of goal uh, i think also uh, we could have started with elish given what he offered in the last few minutes of the game uh, you know and instead of bringing on sir roberto we could have brought on elish sooner i think and uh, we could have probably made a more of an impact on the game we could have dominated a little better and in the second half at least but there is a lack of number 9 but uh, kuman wants dipai and <laughs> we should not be going with dipai so but yeah real madrid really really played well on the counter really fast transitions and they have a lot of quick players you know and uh, that's even before, after like they did not even play rodrigo hazard wasn't there either so they are really threatening and when it comes to the counter comes to counter attacking and uh, we just could not deal with it it's interesting as well the fact that um we may see barcelona had uh quite a few i don't say quite a few chances in the first half but they had uh some chances in the first half dembele was in a couple of good positions one time he swung the ball missed it completely and and you feel like real madrid just needs basically half a chance and they're going to score it like the first the first goal with Benzema obviously is is a counter attack but it's not really a counter attack because the players are there we just uh Alba and Lenglet they're too eager to to jump into uh intercept the pass or win the ball immediately so we're kind of left if they if they cannot win the ball we're kind of exposed to the back so we have Lucas Vasquez in in just I don't know a sea of space on the right, uh, Benzema one-on-one with Araujo, or pretty much one-on-one with any defender, trying to trying to find space in the box. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, not Luzl, a good opposition. Luzl, you know, like, very, very um, rookie mistakes, I would say, from our defense, you know, trying to win the ball quickly and just, you know, uh, getting dribble past so easily, not being aware. So, lack of awareness, I think, from, from our def- defense, defensive players was there. Because of which that Benzema goal was scored and the free kick was, of course, uh, very, very unlucky for us. So, um, yeah. That, that is true. That is true. And, um, and Aditya, I'm coming to you with those three defenders that we have. And this time, because we were used to have um, in, the last, in the past few weeks, uh, De Jong as part of that uh, three at the back. Or then when we have the ball, he goes a little bit further up. He kind of plays like a libero. He just gives the, that extra support in defense, and then in attack, he kind of finds his. Basically, he has a free role. But now he's been inserted back into the midfield. Then we have we have another defender. You take something off the attack, but we're still getting exposed on the counter attack. This is why I was a little bit. Uh, it, it just looked bizarre. I don't know. We have more or less six players, three defenders and three midfielders, plus two wing backs that can control. Uh, the possession, but then out of possession, it was just, it was not looking, um, it was not looking that we had a plan how to react when we lose the ball. And Real Madrid, I feel like they, 
um, everything that they thought before that game, how they wanted to be played out. I think this is how they played the game. But I don't know how. What, what do you feel about the the chances and the impacts of uh, of that game now on the season of uh, Barcelona, and not so much on the, on the season as a whole, but in in the approach because we know the next game is the Copa del Rey uh, final, and just uh, now the league of basically the Liga race is uh, <laughs> is getting is <laughs> a bit of a mess. We have uh, the top three teams separated by one point. Obviously tonight Atletico Madrid can either win and go a little bit further up the up the table, separate themselves from Real Madrid by three points. But then as well, if they lose that game, we're still having three teams with one point. So do you feel do you feel that this game was uh, important? And if if you felt obviously it's important because it's Del Clasico, but how important exactly do you, do you think was the was that game yesterday? Uh, starting with the three three at the back defense, the thing with uh, Frankie de Jong is he provides uh, an outlet for attack, right? When when he knows how to bring the ball out, because now if you see with Araujo, he's not so good in uh, playing with the ball. You saw that so many good positions were there, even de Jong was there so many times available free for him, but then he didn't take the risky pass and he played it to Mingueza who was right beside him. And then even with Mingueza, I mean, his quality is there, but then sometimes uh, he's not as uh, technically adept as uh, um, Lenglet. And Lenglet, I think, again, another problem is that he's not so good at driving with the ball. He uh, Because he, uh, he did really well driving with the ball and then he made mistakes in making the pass. And I think that is the problem with the Frankie de Jong. You have one person who can really get the ball out and play really good passes all in one player. So you always know that there is a safe uh, outlet to the ball. And then com- coming into the uh, impact of the game, I think impact of the game will be that uh, Koeman cannot just uh, decide that 3-4-3 or 3-5-2 is the solution to all the problems. Because uh, yesterday we saw uh, that even even in the previous El Clasicos, if you see that uh, Valverde is playing and running from deep, so you don't have anybody marking him. So you can't play a 3-5-2, you have to make some sort of change and incorporate him. So um, you, I think they should... Uh, make a better analysis of the opponents and decide the formation based on that. And coming to the... to obviously, we had... Uh, Pukit mentioned before about uh, Griezmann. We've mentioned about Sergio Roberto. Um, guys, I feel like in, the, in those big games this season, we had the game against Real Madrid. We had the game uh, in the no camp. We had the game against uh, Juventus. Obviously, we won away, but then it was very, very underwhelming performance at home. We lost 3 0. Uh, we had uh, obviously the Paris Saint Germain game. You, we had this game against Real Madrid again. We had the Atletico Madrid performance uh, earlier in the season. Feels like every single time at Barcelona, obviously, we were, we were in uh, 20 games unbeaten streak in. Uh, since the start of the year, but every time when there is an opportunity for 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 the club to just uh, push a little bit further and make a make a statement, sort of uh, okay, w- this was not just a fluke. We played 20 games and okay, we didn't lose one, but we are here to um, we are here to actually win that league and we are here to uh, to challenge the teams and we take. Uh, um, take an opportunity of uh, the deep in form in Atletico, if you like. And 
we see that first half performance. I'm my disappointment is not really with the result so much because yeah, you can lose the game. It can happen. Uh, as we as we mentioned before, Elash Muribo scores the um, that chance in the last uh, minute. Uh, maybe the referee gives a penalty. Whatever that game, it could have finished any any way. It could have finished with a win for Real Madrid, draw a win for Barcelona. Nobody would have complained that much because it was just uh, it was just a crazy game. But that first half performance and instead of just going out and just uh, say to Real Madrid, okay, we are here, we're gonna play and we're gonna we're gonna beat you the way we we know we can beat you. We just kind of uh, let two goals in. And now we have to do it the hard way. It's, uh, it's similar to, uh, in a sense, to the uh, Super Cup final, if you remember. We're, okay, we're 2-1 uh, up. It's just a couple of seconds left. Just see out the game. It's not, not really um, too, much of a, too much of a big deal if you win 2-1. You don't need to go to win 3-1, 4-1, 5-1 or whatever. Just be solid at the back and we cannot do it. We can see the goal late. We go and lose the final. Just... In those kind of the small details, I think that we are um, we're still missing something, and I'm not really sure. For example, where do we fit, and what is the plan for the next season? Because we see Griezmann coming in off the bench, not so much of an impact in the game. Obviously, he he dummied the uh, the cross from Alba, but apart from that, he got fouled against. Uh, uh, um, he got fouled by Casemiro. That was it, pretty much, from him. And if you if you buy a guy for for hundred and odd million euros, and he wants to come from Barcelona and play and be the difference, I think I need a little bit more. Uh, I think a little bit, little bit more from him, and for example, from Sergio Roberto, even if he's gonna come in. Um, there's just no variety in those big games. We kind of go to the same mode, and that's about it. Let's see if we can get a result. This could be the one negative for Kuman, if you like, um, in that run because the results have been nice. Now we cannot we cannot say nothing uh, nothing against that. The results have been nice. We obviously got blown away in the Champions League, but the second leg performance was was uh, what we all expected to see um, as a response. So I'm not really sure where you guys uh, on this uh, topic, but how um, how should we upgrade the team? Um, for coming for next season. Then so, it, let's um, see. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, yesterday in the lineup last night, we had I think six players uh, at the age of 23 or younger. So we're already getting there in terms of the rebuild, uh, in terms of having a more younger squad, and that was I think before Elias and um, all these players came on. Uh, so we have potentially great young players. And when we talked about last time also with Coyado and Alejandro Balde also coming into first team next season, most likely. Uh, and Nico Gonzalez's contract is going to be extended as well in the B team midfielder. So we are getting there. Of course, there are a um, few um, you know areas of the squad yet to be filled in terms of having a number nine, having a... Uh, having having an established centre back because Erin Garcia is coming in, but he's 19. So these are a few gaps that we can you know fill. We have a great stacked midfield. We have pretty much great young uh, young players on the wings also. Um, of course, we need a left back. Maybe Alejandro Balde is the answer. Maybe not. So these are the few 
key areas we need to fill of course Holland is again the dream so don't know whether that's going to be fulfilled or not so if we if we manage to fill these gaps uh, we can have a winning team you know and uh, the mentality has already changed uh, we saw that in the second leg of the champions league against psg so the mentality has rather started to change right i should say so and with all two three more players in certain areas i think we can just have a winning team that's my uh, take on it Aditya, where do you feel that we should uh, we should look to improve, or do you see the the thing that we were talking about transition year and how this is going to be the transition year? Do you feel like next year as well could be a transition year, not so in terms of results, but in terms of uh, integrating those uh, those young players and just not really going splashing all the cash uh, in the transfer market? I think one one type of player that we really need is someone who can run behind the defense. We need someone who's a good striker. And uh, uh, I think, uh, like Pulkit said, I think Haaland is the dream. And then there are some other options lined up, like Isaac and uh, maybe Obero, maybe something else. So uh, that is one position that we really have to this one. But then uh, I'd like to ask you, Joro, because uh, if you remember, the commentators were really... Uh, harping about this is the first time Barca lost three consecutive El Clasicos and then if if you remember I think the last time that a manager lost two El Clasicos in a season was the Raika to, uh, 0708 and before that was Menotti in uh, uh, 73 I think uh, so if if you look at uh, those kind of scenarios both those managers are sacked so do you think that Koeman will still remain after after this kind of uh, show that is that is a uh... That is an interesting point because obviously we had the, um, how to say, the <laughs> uh, example already of uh, Ricard. But uh, in my opinion, the we need to kind of look at look at it in a more balanced way. Um, the, the beginning of the season was dreadful. We, obviously, uh, we had an awful summer. We uh, the tournament in Lisbon, the Champions League tournament in Lisbon, was something that. Uh, everybody wants to remember, uh, well, wants to forget actually, not, they don't want to remember it at all. But the, uh, the environment around the club was just not stable at all. And then when, when Kuman came in, it took him a little bit of time to, uh, to kind of um, put his idea into place, if you like. But then the results improved. And then now we're seeing again a little, not, not that much of consistency. So the, in terms of tactical um, tactical approach, sometimes he's playing with four defenders. Sometimes he's playing with uh, uh, three defenders. Sometimes he puts the young at the back. Then we're playing with three uh, three pure center backs. Like he's still searching. He's still looking for for what the best possible solution for Barcelona is. And to be quite honest with you, if uh, he uh, if he wins the Copa del Rey. Uh, probably he's going to stay another season. But um, he, as well, also, what I would like to see is Barcelona actually challenge and push uh, the title race to the last day. Because that would mean that this defeat didn't really uh, hurt the confidence and it didn't serve as a, well, okay, we we couldn't win Real Madrid, now everything is over. And to be quite honest with you, if 
Kuman leaves, uh, or if he gets sucked or whatever, because obviously he's not going to leave. Um, not going to leave on his own. Uh, who should be who should be the next manager? Like this is another process of okay, do we uh, do we trust the new manager? What what is his idea going to be? Uh, what about Messi? Like it's just a lot of uh, a lot of uh, variables and a lot of complicated uh, situations around the club. Like the stability. The stability is a little bit missing. Obviously, the Porto now coming in, uh, that changes changes the situation quite a bit. But still, I think we need to we need to wait until the end of the season, and uh, then re- review again the position. But for sure, um, he did some positive things. I'm not I'm not so sure if uh, this is the if this is the long term future because uh, this was obviously appointed uh, appointment made by Bartomeu. So maybe Laporta uh, can I don't know pull his uh, pull his strings uh, do do his magic bring somebody that the fans are really getting excited about a big name coach somebody with new ideas or whatever um, so we're gonna see but definitely if uh, we're actually into the title challenge and we we <laughs> imagine we win the double because it's still possible we have a final again in the Copa del Rey. Um, the distance in the table is just is minimal at the minute for the for the league title. So we we're still very much in it. So if he wins the double, uh, he's basically untouchable this season. If he uh, if we now uh, spiral down and fall again into into some uh, low confidence, not convincing results, uh, performance uh, just. Uh, barely getting the results in, then probably, yeah, I think uh, a new direction could be could be <laughs> looked after in the summer. But um, I don't know. Pukit, obviously, the situation is very uh, is a floating situation at the minute. So everything everything will be decided about those like next coming uh, eight games. So we have left in the Liga and the Copa del Rey final. But uh, Pukit, where you stand on Kuman, obviously. After this game is not, uh, <laughs> it's not the best uh, time to discuss it. We have, uh, uh, how to say, we are all affected by the result and um, and just the whole general feeling. Because if we won the El Clasico now, the whole the whole mood around the club would have been would have been different. But again, the history suggests that uh, three lost Clasicos in a row to Real Madrid first time since yeah, uh, forty years, forty years. We're gonna uh, could be a time for change. Where you stand on that, Pocky? I think um, if uh, Kuman, you write that if Kuman wins the double or just the league title, also if we manage to win that this season, so Kuman does continue next season uh, with um, Laporta giving him some much or uh, some assurances in terms of the signings and stuff like that. But even if we don't win anything this season, let's say. I think Kuman has done enough to continue at least one more season, for one more season. And then maybe we can assess whether he's the long-term future or not, because a lot has happened off the pitch this season at the club. And Kuman has, irrespective of all of what's happened, Kuman has maintained his you know, dignity and he has just protected the players, the dressing room and the club in any which way he can in terms of the press conferences, the interviews, the questions asked by the media, 
of about certain players signings presidential elections and stuff like that so i think during all this in considering the injuries we had to our defenders to ansu fathi as well um coutinho stuff like that I forgot he's at the club actually <laughs> so um, uh, all of the all things being considered i think kuman does deserve another season another shot at uh, i would say the champions league and if we managed to sign the players we were talking about earlier in the few key areas i think we can potentially be champions league contenders next season i won't say that you know okay we're going to be going to win the ucl or we're going to win the treble because that's just too good to be true but uh, we will we'll be more uh, far more competitive than we are right so in my opinion coman does deserve but there can be a scenario wherein if we don't win anything this season laporta you know brings in shabby to you know kind of uh, like he did with pep in 2008 that kind of a thing because fans barca fans being so emotional are looking for another pep which is not going to happen because shabby will be shabby shabby will not be pep even if he comes or whenever he comes whether it's this summer or the next or the one after that after that so don't know but uh, laporta can go another direction in another direction you know maybe bringing in julian longs men or shabby or bringing him bringing back pep also because it's laporta so we don't know so that's my take on it uh, what do you think about the about this I think, like you said, right? Uh, he's brought a lot of change in the mentality. I think it's not so visible in the big games because you see that in in these big games against these big teams, right? It's all about perfection. It's that one detail that you miss, and then the whole game is gone. The same thing about Real Madrid, right? You look at the two goals. It was just Benzema bringing Araujo out and uh, playing balls in behind, and Vinicius scoring. The second one, free kick, that was just um, you know it it deflected off test. So. Uh, you could say that uh, it could deflect off dust and go above, and it would be one all. So we'll be talking about different story. The same thing. So I think in these big games, it's all about perfection, and it will take time. But then, if you talk about the general mentality of the team, he has improved it a lot. So I would be like, like you said, I would be all in for uh, keeping him maybe for another season. But I think that also depends on how the Atletico game goes and how the uh, Copa final goes. Even. Guys, just uh, then I want because we're all kind of <laughs> sitting and waiting for what is going to actually happen. So I'm giving you a scenario. I want one word answer from both of you. We are winning Copa del Rey, but we're finishing second in the league. Is Kuman staying, in your opinion, or is he going? One word answer. Staying for me. Staying. Aditya? Yeah, I would say staying too. What about you? Okay. I think I think so as well. So, yeah, the reason why I'm asking that is because we we um we're not the general uh social media just a fanboy that is just looking at the um, uh, the cups and the titles and say oh, okay, we we didn't win the Liga, didn't win the Champions League, get him out, kick him out. Uh, we're looking more in a more balanced way, so even providing a, some sort of a trophy, Copa del Rey is not just is not just any trophy. It's not the Mickey Mouse Cup. So, winning a trophy in that situation, I think, is going to deserve is going to make him. Um, is going to give him more time. The guy 
at the end of the day had to deal with a lot of st- with a lot of stuff off the pitch, like uh, Pukin mentioned. So I think we all agree that this is a uh, this is basically the um, the make or break game for for Ronald Koeman if uh, the La Liga title uh, is not going to be achieved. So let's see next Saturday an Atleti Bilbao Copa del Rey final is going to be an interesting one. We're probably going to do a uh, podcast to to re- to preview that game and just talk about the general the general feeling about what um, this game will mean in the longer term and possible starting lineup news and stuff like that. Uh, but um, we're gonna continue on with um, with few with few pieces pieces of news and just another general discussion about um, what happened after the game. Obviously, Ronald Kuma went out and just blasted the. Uh, the officials after the game, obviously, um, we, he had a post-match interview uh, speaking not not so highly about the referee. We, he had another uh, a tweet this uh, morning, also suggesting that obviously the team was unlucky. Maybe he could have had a uh, penalty at the end. He should have had a penalty, in his opinion. Um, we can all see where uh, what his point is. But uh, do you guys feel that this uh, um, in today's kind of football, we're more um, we have to get more used to uh, seeing managers trying to uh, not deflect the blame, but saying different things in front of the media than what actually is going to be said in the dressing room? Because I don't think that uh, anybody's going to forget to mention what happened in the first half in the dressing room and between the players. But obviously. Uh, we see many managers coming out and just defending their players and saying uh, stuff that can look a little bit bizarre. Um, Jurgen Kopp obviously mentioning uh, last week about the stadium of the Bebas is being is not being a proper stadium that having an effect. Just uh, <laughs> it sounds a little bit uh, it sounds a little bit strange when um, the manager comes out and just um, reflects on a game in that way. But uh, do you do you guys feel Puki, Do you feel that we should get more uh, used to used to it this way and uh, kind of the manager protecting the players and the environment because we're so quick to criticize players and just their performance and um, I want to also mention that yesterday after the game uh, social media kind of turned on Pedri and the young which they have been one of the bright spots uh, and the bright uh, the bright sparks in this season. Uh, for Barcelona, so uh, where do you stand on that, Puki? Do you feel that this is something this is something that we're going to see more of, or um, this is just um, uh, the times that we live in, and then at some point we're going to go back to the let's say the Jose Mourinho approach that he comes out and says, yeah, the players are just uh, not good enough for that type of level. Funny you mentioned Jose Mourinho because I'm going to, I was going to mention Jose Mourinho also because he is not someone who would protect his players because he always calls out his players in front of uh, the media, in front of the world. Okay, he did not play well or he did this, he did not do that kind of a thing. So I believe uh, managers like Klopp, Pep, Koeman and many others are about protecting their players even if they know, of course, if one player is at fault. So we criticize Griezmann a lot in our podcast, fans on social media and stuff like that. But Koeman has never said a word about Griezmann not being able to finish. 
Uh, and uh, only in the beginning that he's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's going to play that he's going to play in his position and then he didn't actually play him in the position but yeah, we understand yeah. why to be honest yeah and even after griezmann was so vocal about his game time and position that he plays you know plays when he was in uh, international break with france and even didier deschamps was very vocal about griezmann's position and stuff like that even after that kuman did not criticize griezmann's performances or his playing time or whatever So Kuman is about uh, protecting players, and these bizarre answers to some questions, post, uh, you know, asked by the journalists, that's going to be the case, I think, uh, in the future as well. Because then managers have to be kind of diplomats also in those situations, and they have to protect their players. It that's how it should be. Uh, of of course, if you're Mourinho, you want to you're not going to do that, but. Uh, that's how it should be what happens in the dressing room between the manager manager and the players stays in that dressing room you know and it's for the manager and for the players and it's not for the world to know right and it's what whatever manager tells them the manager tells them you know during the half time talk or after the game about the performance positive negative feedback whatever there is that's between them it's not for us to know but we know of course managers will criticize those players maybe in person maybe in the dressing room maybe they say that you know okay you have to train better play better whatever that that is but they will never ever speak it speak about this in public they shouldn't also because it really never helps the player it only makes the situation even worse than it might already be so i think that that's that kind of thing will happen in regarding the referees uh, i think no one has been worse than premier league referees this season premier league referees have been criticized time again time and again week in week out about the bizarre decisions that they take and we can't even begin to <laughs> discuss the, the kind of decisions they've been they've made about offside about handball and stuff like that yeah and i think in that regard uh, seria is one uh, you know league that has been very uh, in terms of very um, i think just because uh, they have been suspended they have suspended referees in uh, you know this season if they have given incorrect decisions so something like that if all leagues follow irrespective of how senior the referee might be or how experienced the experienced the referee might be if they start to suspend those referees they will be a little more cautious or a little less biased if they are so or we'll get more you know rational decisions more correct decisions in, in that sense so maybe if that happens in the premier league or la liga or other leagues also so they will talk less about or criti- criticize referees a little less than we are right now so yeah aditya do you feel do you feel do you share the same the same opinion obviously the la liga referees has not been it's not been as bad as uh, the premier league referees i can fully agree with that with that statement because uh, some of the decisions that have been made in the Premier League I'm just I, I just I have no explanation about it like you you look at it you try to understand why and you just can't and then the referees uh, association like the PGMO he come they come out uh, backing the actual decision regardless of uh, the fact this is whether it's uh, wrong or right they just made the decision and we have to stick with it, that decision It's just a lot of nonsense uh, without without referring um, the VAR in general. But we've seen also um, the the thing that we mentioned with uh, Ronald Koeman, and not only Ronald Koeman, but 
just a lot of managers now trying to not really blast the players after the game and kind of take a different approach and possibly uh, have a word with them and just discuss their performance behind closed doors. Do you think this is the, the correct approach and, uh, or you are more of a Mourinho supportive and coming out and saying that, that somebody has to be better? I think the thing with uh, uh, Ronald Koeman's uh, accusations, I think one of them I really agree with is uh, the um, the extra time that they gave at the end of the half was really less because you see the 10 substitutions happened and then even the referee had some problem with his mic and his equipment. So I really thought they would increase it more because uh, Barcelona looked like they were actually going to get the equalizer. But then I think um, talking about the referee decisions, I wouldn't worry about it too much because I think the thing with VAR is that everybody expected after VAR came that <clears throat> refereeing would be perfect and there wouldn't be any mistakes but then you still have to realize that VAR also means there's a human in the loop kind of scenario right because there's still a human behind the computer who analyzes these uh, kind of things like handballs and uh, penalties and all because offside is like millimeters and then the computer says it but penalties and uh, handballs and things like that are still human in the loop so I think one more point that you came up with is about uh, Pedri and uh, De Jong. I really don't get the criticism about them because, in my opinion, Pedri was one of the best players yesterday because uh, he was really finding the pockets of space in between. He was uh, playing. He was always connected with the players. He was always like thinking about the pass before he made the pass. Maybe in the final third, he could have maybe got a shot better or got into a bit, a few better positions. But then. Overall, I think he did really well, you know, like dropping in between, uh, getting the ball out because the defense was pretty much dead yesterday in getting the ball out. But Pedri and De Jong really got the ball out. And But then I think one problem was that even against uh, Liverpool, if you see that uh, <clears throat> uh, Real Madrid really dragged their midfielders in front and uh, made them press so that they could get the ball out. And something similar happened yesterday with uh, De Jong and Pedri if you look at the first goal. So... I think uh, that is where some of the criticism come, but then I still don't understand the criticism against uh, Pedri. What do you think, Pulkit? He's your favorite player, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. After Trincao, but yeah, <laughs> very close. I was I was uh, going to say, yeah, Trincao. <laughs> Trincao is the number one, then, then Pedri. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think Trincao should have started yesterday's game. I don't know. I just feel that way. Uh, because he's more of like a Pedro kind of winger. He's not someone who would who has a lot of pace and stuff, but he has good ball control and dribbling skills. But more to your question, uh, I don't get the criticism either because, you know, the criticism that they received are from those fans who don't know football properly or who are like, okay, if a player is playing good for 50 games and the 51st game, he does not play well and, okay, he should not be starting the next game kind of a thing. So those are those kind of fans. Who criticized? Uh, who criticized uh, De Jong and Pedri and stuff? But you're right. The way he was linking up and, uh, you know, uh, thinking about the pass he's going to give before receiving the ball. So his awareness, his patience on the ball, his calmness, his um, you know, the way he's humble, uh, as talked about uh, Kuman and Enrique also for the national team. So to, I do not get the criticism at all. And uh, you're right. Uh, how the Real Madrid played. They just, you know, caught his pocket. That's that that was it. And De Young has been so 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 good in midfield, in front of goal, in defense. He's all over the pitch. So 
I really do not get their criticism. These are just those fans who don't know football properly. That's my point. That's my opinion. And just to just to add on, Pedri, he uh, it's very easy to criticize somebody after one one uh, bad game or uh, one not uh, not his best game, for example. But if we uh, two things actually, if we remember, we had a situation on the left side when Jordi Alba. Messi gave a pass to Jordi Alba. Jordi Alba came into uh, the penalty box. And instead of cutting back to wide open Pedri, who was just sitting there waiting for the ball to pass to him, in just uh, inside the penalty area, one touch, and that would have been probably a goal. Instead, Jordi Alba tries to play a ball across, and the ball gets cleared, and the chance is missed. So if we if uh, Pedri receives that pass and he scores the goal, now all of a sudden, what, he, he had the best game ever? Or... Because he scored in the El Clasico, and another thing is uh, he played uh, this year uh, 44 games for Barcelona so far. He played two for the Super Copa, five in the Copa del Rey, seven in the Champions League, and 13 in La Liga. So basically, Pedri has been one of the crucial players in uh, this season's uh, run in all the competitions. Basically, so to criticize him after a after a neoclassical uh, performance that, to be quite honest with you... That's just too harsh. That's yeah, too yeah, yeah. And, and, and he was not even the, the worst player on the pitch. Like, I can tell probably three or four players that were worse than him. And they okay, didn't so have... Is, we, we all know who was the worst player, okay? We yeah, yeah well... <laughs> yes, but the thing is, the thing is we, we tend to, how to say, forget sometimes that we have uh, other players that uh, are the veterans and the experienced players that they should lead uh, by example and by their performance. And, okay, yeah, Pedri is 18-year-old. Um, let's criticize him. I think he's kind of uh, unfair and he shouldn't really... Um, he shouldn't really be criticizing that type of player. He had uh, less than 100 games in his career so far. And he's been one yeah, of the influential even, players. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, he make has sense. been. I can't even wait to see how Fatih and Pedri link up. Then they'll do the same thing for Spain also. I can't just wait to see that. It'll be amazing. In next season, of course, that'll happen because Fatih's season is almost over. We saw that last week. And that is true as well. Yeah. We, we don't have uh, Pedri uh, just talking about his potential or he's, he's going to be this and he's going to be that. Like, he's already an exceptional player. Uh, his transfer market value is uh, 70 million euros. He's 18 years old. Like, he played only one season at the highest level and pretty much everybody wants him. Now, there is a report as well uh, from uh, Mirror, obviously not that reliable report. But um, apparently Liverpool contacted his agents and about the possibility of him joining the club. Uh, it's, it's just that, that uh, interest from other clubs is just going to go higher and higher. It's not going to be something that uh, is going to uh, just disappear over time. Also, also, there was, uh, I think I saw Pedri's interview or some news piece, I don't remember, very beginning of this season wherein uh, it was revealed that Bayern also were after Pedri, even after he signed with us in January of last year. And Bayern promised him, like, game time and he'll be a first-team player and stuff like that. But, of course, he declined and he wanted to always play for Barcelona since uh, his childhood. So, that was also there. That's true. And instead of instead of appreciating that, that type of player and kind of 
give him the maximum support he needs, we we go out and criticize the player. Just nonsense. And we, <laughs> I, I, I took that um, opportunity to just distance ourselves uh, in the podcast. And in Barca times, just uh, we're not really sharing that opinion. And we think Pedri is uh, one of the best players in uh, in the club at the minute. Even the, even the fact that he's 18 years old should tell you should tell you quite a bit. Um, another thing, though, about uh, about those type of um, those type of notions is that uh, talking about contracts and uh, resigning and stuff like that. And Aditya, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to you now. Do you feel uh, we had obviously the uh, the quote from Ronald Koeman that he would like to uh, to see Usman Dembélé stay in the club? Um, Possibly uh, he's gonna not possibly, but the uh, contract negotiations is gonna be I'm gonna be uh, started with him uh, very soon or probably at the end of the season. Um, obviously, a lot of interest uh, from different clubs uh, around Europe, as probably should be, because he's the type of guy that um, maybe similar to to Vinicius in certain sense that um, if he finds his uh, final third in not really a decision making, but more like the shot and the finishing, he's just gonna be, he's just gonna find a new level to his game, and now all of a sudden he's gonna become one of the hottest properties uh, in club football. But um, where do you stand on those two on those two things? Uh, obviously, Pedri, uh, Pedri's impact, uh, Dembélé's future in the club, and uh, just in general, do you feel that he? Um, uh, Dembélé, of course. I mean, uh, do you feel that he needs uh, a new contract, and do you think he deserved uh, a new contract with his performance uh, this season? Dembélé, in my opinion, is uh, one of a kind player, right? If you look at the kind of players that are coming up now, I don't think there are many players who can uh, play on the wing and are who are good dribblers. You get a lot of players like. Uh, Griezmann who are really good at getting in position but not really good at dribbling so when you have a player like that I think it's it's best if you keep him but then I think another problem for Laporta at the moment is uh, his board hasn't yet been set up as well I think still uh, it's under process with Alex Zanko and Alemani and all them so um, and another problem will obviously be uh, wages and I think he'll have to significantly reduce them because uh, if he's even planning to get some other players or uh, he might have to reduce his wages, but then I think you can look at his improvement now since he's been playing regularly. Before it was just uh, maybe one or two matches in six months or something, but now I think with Larson coming in, his uh, attacking movement has improved a lot. The way he runs into the box, and then now even now that he's playing centrally, he's improved a lot. Uh, what do you think, Kapulkis? Because even even for France, he's been played centrally and he's playing really really well. So with France, the system is a bit different, you know, it's like a 4-4-2, two number nines playing off each other, that's why kind, kind of Griezmann and Dembele or anyone, any of the two sets of uh, number nines will do. The Deschamps system is different from ours. What I do not understand about Dembele is where or when will he learn ball control. His space is way too much for him to control the ball properly. And his finishing also, of course, is a thing. It's Sometimes he can, sometimes he can't. So it's a lack of consistency in, in finishing and a lot of lack of uh, ball control. So he needs to work on that. That's where his game kind of, you know, turns me off. 
and in that regard i think fati being so uh, you know very similar to dembele in terms of having that pace and all of that he does have ball control you know ball uh, you know he does not lose it very often or very quickly so dembele needs to work on that if he can work on that he can become a potentially a great and great player for is what i believe of course he does deserve a renewal and the wages and the finances are all that need to be sorted under the club so let's see but yeah, i i do agree with you that there are not many players who you could get uh, you know who can play number 9 and at the wing and have the ability to, ability to run in behind and so fast also and can be a threat in transitions and counter attacks and stuff so yeah, that's kind of i agree with we're in a in a complete agreement over here and to be quite honest with you he's one of my favorite players he's obviously been linked with a lot of different clubs and he's one of those players that you just uh, wish him to succeed obviously in barcelona but you kind of don't want to to for him to leave the club because you have the feeling that going in the right situation in a different place he's going to kind of you know pop and All of a sudden he's going to look like one of the best players in the world. So I think the thing is the good thing is yeah. to cut you. Uh, the good thing is that you know next season Coyado is also coming in Trinka is also there you know and um, Fati of course plays on the left only. So on the right wing in particular we have a good amount of competition. So he will have to step up his game there. He will not be you know that uh, designated starter. unless he is you know like he develops into a really really good player so that's a good thing for us there'll be competition in his position uh, and, and to be honest also, yeah. and to and to be honest sometimes this is what the player needs because um, we've seen uh, obviously it's not in barcelona related but look so in manchester united he was he was basically uh, criticized a lot by mourinho about the press uh, he had a different lifestyle than what really a footballer should have Uh, pictures smoking cigarettes and stuff like that a little bit out of shape um not that committed to the um, to the actual game and for him to be in the best shape possible and now all of a sudden it took him one year two years three years he uh, Manchester United brought Alex Telles and now looks so he's looking like a completely different player so he's one of the himself, best finishers in their team you know yeah. said that he's one of the he, best finishers It's funny you man. starting to ask yourself like why do i need to bring another left back for you to perform <laughs> for my first choice left back to perform but at the end of the day uh that's not hurting anybody the more competition you have in the team is just giving uh more options to the manager and at the end of the day if it's going to help the player uh I'm all for it so as you said Puki, we have a lot of um attacking options so to speak maybe we don't have the as we said before the actual number 9 somebody to just sit in there and put the ball in the back of the net but at the end of the day that's what transfer market is for and we we're hopefully going to improve in that area and um, guys just to uh, finish up on a on a kind of uh, high note uh, very very interesting reports coming in uh, last week about uh, obviously in a situation after Neymar was sent off in France in uh, a game the first against the second uh he they lose the game at home he gets sent off in in the, in the last uh, seconds of the game and basically minutes after uh that game was over and Paris Saint-Germain lost at home to Lille 
we're seeing a report that Neymar has been uh, free, freezing his uh, negotiations with uh, Paris Saint-Germain. And then uh, a report coming in, he wants to join Barcelona uh, either in the summer or next summer, or he's basically putting himself uh, on the table, I'm available, come and get me again. Uh, where, where do you start? I just, I just find uh, all the situation with Neymar a little bit funny. And uh, uh, where, do you, where do you stand on all this? Do you feel that uh, we've been obviously... Uh, linked with uh, Haaland, we've been linked with Mbappe, we've been linked with pretty much every single player in the world. But if that is a possibility, um, Aditya, are you bringing Neymar back into the club? The Neymar that is playing at PSG is much different than the Neymar that we left. When Barca left Neymar, he was a winger and he was a pacey and he was dribbling and all that. And now he's more of a 10 and he's the guy who comes down deep to get the ball. So I think uh, it would be a really bad choice because uh, uh, even on the left side you have Fatty and you have Sonia, these other guys who are uh, coming up and it would block their uh, block their progression and even the wages, right? I don't think we can ever manage to pay him the amount of wages he gets at PSG. Pukit, where you where do you stand on the Neymar situation and? Uh, do you feel that Barcelona needs uh, a little bit of his uh, Brazilian samba? I think you know where I stand on Neymar. We have discussed this time and again, and I'm sure this is not the last time we're going to discuss about it. But I'm tired of this man. I think he should just renew with PSG for life and be done with it. So that these rumors will stop. I don't want him anywhere near at the club, man. I just don't want him. <laughs> We have way better players. We have way talented and less of a pain in the butt players at the club. So um, I would, I'm happy with the players I have. I don't want him at all. And he's Adetez, right? He's not the same player he was when he played for us. So no, don't want him at all. Just, just don't stay in PSG. That's where you belong, man. Just stay there. And to be quite honest with you, I kind of. I fully support Aditya uh, in the in the analysis that he's not really anymore the let's say even Ansu Fati he's not really Ansu Fati trying to just uh, go behind get a player one on one and work for the looking for that space in behind uh, if we bring Neymar at that situation now that we need a player to to break in between the lines to go um, deep to and deep I mean deep behind the actual defensive line, uh, try to break up uh, the opposition a little bit. And we're going to bring Neymar. It's kind of like bringing another Antoine Griezmann. So this is not really the, not really the suitable option, if you like, uh, for the club. Yeah, maybe brand-wise, amazing. Uh, people are going to buy shirts, uh, marketing, stuff like that. But uh, from a tactical point of view and... Just from the from a character standpoint as well, with all those young players, we're gonna stop the growth of pretty much pretty much all the attacking options that we have uh, in the team. Uh, I don't know where's Fatih playing if uh, if he comes in as well. So I think uh, the the majority of the Barca fans will say that this is a no for them. And uh, like Pukki says, <laughs> sign a lifetime contract with Paris Saint Germain and just. Forget about Barcelona for the immediate future. 
Thank you very much for being with us, guys. And uh, we're gonna obviously come back, with, come back again, uh, probably before the El Clas- uh, probably before the Copa del Rey. This was the El Clasico special, so we're gonna come back with a preview of the Copa del Rey uh, a final against Stati Bilbao. Hopefully, we have a trophy to celebrate uh, in the end of uh, this coming week. So we see you then.